You have to teach save people about loving people. What's the problem? Mm. The gospel wasn't administered the right way. Sheriffs and and and, and the deputies um, were here to just basically keep keep black folks in line. Um, and what I'm trying to say is, if there's hate from the beginning, and hate is intertwined with law enforcement, it won't change. People that really hate don't really know that they hate because it's part of the culture. And with that brief introduction from our last segment, we continue our interview with Pastor Bruce Betts from Hattiesburg, Mississippi, and Logos Missionary Baptist Church. Some of the more powerful things, you've talked about several of those, but I want to move on for time's sake. Um, and I know yeah. that a lot of people interested in this, but would you just briefly tell us uh, about your view and the view of the Christians in Hattiesburg of the Black Lives Matter organization? And if you need to divide up the organization and the principles, it's fine, just whatever's on your mind. But I think people really need to know about this and, and what to think about it maybe differently than they have. Okay. Well, uh, um, my personal views about the Black Lives Matter um, um, organization, it's an organization that was founded and started um, to um, make uh, everybody understand that the black person was a the black person's life matter. I, I've, it's been my personal conviction that the, the, the organization should have been named uh, differently. It should have been named Black Lives Matter too, mm. because it gives off uh, uh, the impression that black lives is the only thing that matter. That's not what the essence of the movement is. The essence of the movement, movement is that we want to sit at the table as well and be respected as a man or as a woman, uh, regardless of our skin color, regardless of our race. And that's what uh, black folks have been denied for so many years, uh, the fairness of, okay, let's, let's just, you know, let's just be fair across the board. And that's what the movement is about. But within every movement and in every situation, there's an element that can't be controlled. These are your pillagers, your rioters, the people that come out and do all these. And we've been seeing over the past few months since uh, uh, the uh, the killing of George Floyd. In every good thing, there's always some evil. Uh, evil lurks in it, um, and and they're they, they're uncontrollable. And the, the Black Lives Matter people cannot. Uh, control that element that wants to tear things up. And it, it, you can see, uh, as we saw on, on television across the nation, you can see it's good protest. People are protesting. That's what the country was built on, you know, yes. challenging the establishment and trying to make change for better of all people. And that's, 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 uh, that's the constitutional right of every American to do that. But within that, there's always an element that that are, are uncontrollable and what they do they give the, the the movement a bad name and people that want to see the whole movement fall to the wayside only talk about the small element that's keeping up the trouble and they'll brand the whole 
movement as pillagers and rioters, and that's not so. So what is your counsel um, then to whites in the South, Christian people in churches who who may have concealed, and you've used that word, and you can sure talk about that more, may think they have this, but maybe they harbor hatred in their heart that they're unaware of, racial hatred, racial discrimination, and they're yeah. good Christian folks, but they don't know. How do you right. counsel them to address this in their own heart and mind? And then I, I want to branch off after that to a part of the same question. Well, well, what this is what I've done since I've been in uh, in the ministry and and I've been in the American Baptist Associated work. Um, I've been a, um, I guess it's the, you could say I, I'm a minority. Um, uh, I've, I've been going to churches and the only black face there. Um, I've gone to conventions, the only black face there. Um, and I've, I've been asked by blacks and like, how in the world can you do that? Uh, knowing the racial element that may be in your associated work. I said, I can do that because I'm with lower. I don't, uh, um, I'm not afraid of what a person thinks or feels, especially that's supposed to be my brother. I hold my brothers and my sisters accountable to the word, period. If if we are of the same God, um, I'm your brother, yes. and we need to treat each other as, as such. Um, but uh, but to answer your question, what how do I counsel? Uh, and, and I've been asked on numerous occasions. I've had people come to me crying. I've had people after I preach come down to the front, grab me by the hand, and tell me that I was I was I'm struggling with racism. I love you. You, 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 you know, because I'm preaching something that's familiar to them. I don't seem harmful to them because I'm preaching what's familiar to them. And, and they, they, in, in their minds, they kind of separate. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, this is a, this is a, a saved guy. He's preaching the scripture that I read every night before I go to bed. And he's pretty good at it too. I like yes. him. Okay. He's, he's okay. But that other guy, I just can't stand him. And what do a person do with that? Well, my opinion and, and what I've, I've counseled them on is that you're not getting the full dose of the Holy Ghost that you need. You're limiting the Holy Spirit to opening your eyes because of your tradition okay. and because of your culture. It's not that, you know, there's, there's no doubt that they know Jesus as their Savior. You know, when you look at something else too, God, Jesus was a Jew. And Jesus has been um, um, taken and made familiar to different races by changing the skin color. Yes. Texture of his hair. That's how people can deal with the fact that's really, a, a, that hate racial, that's a real racial, how they really can deal with the fact that Jesus was a Jew. And just change the way he looks. Okay. That's that's idolatry. Right. That's the number <laughs> one thing that God said. Don't ever have that. Nothing before me. It's idolatry. And 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 people that practice that black and white, yes, Hispanics, is idolatry. See, they can't get past the fact, but they can't get past themselves to see Jesus for who he is. 
he's the savior of, of the world. So we have to change you him know, to make him something familiar or comfortable to us. Something familiar to us for us to identify with him, for us to advocate for it. Okay, so I got you, somebody I love, somebody I know. And yeah, I'm saying, okay, Bruce is a great preacher. I love to hear him sing. He loves Jesus. He's a good guy. Uh, I love being around his wife. But what about the young guy with his pants below his rear end who's got dreadlocks mm-hmm. walking in the hood? No, help help us mm-hmm. with this because, Brother Bruce, it changes on mm-hmm. a dime with that. How, how, do we, yeah. how do we deal with that? It's, 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 it's just what I say. I'm acceptable because the words that I preach are familiar. Okay? If that person with the dreads and the pants hanging down below the, the, their uh, uh, behind and they're walking the streets, if they take an opportunity to say hello or talk to that person, and if that person go to talking the same stuff that they heard me say, oh, he may be a little rough around the edges from the way he's looked, but we can work on that. He knows Jesus. Right. But you won't know that until you talk to him. So it's just the idea of not looking past him, of just being interested in him, caring about him just like we would you, and not not ignoring him like he doesn't exist. Exactly. Exactly. Hit the nail on the head, Doc. You got to get over yourself in order to get people over to God. Get over yourself. Self gets in the way of the ministry. And that's the problem, is self. You know? That, that, that what, did, what did the scripture said? You first must deny yourself. Then yes. what Brother, I've never heard that verse him? applied to that. That's great. That I, we would deny himself and take up his cross. But we got to deny ourselves even in these areas, and it's not really easy to deny yourself when it comes to your comforts and it's your so, culture. It's hard. <laughs> and people want to think that Satan is their biggest enemy. No, the biggest enemy is the enemy in me. Me. I'm not biggest enemy. I'm the one that. That, that that takes over the reins. When I, when I the Holy Spirit is moving a little too far, moving a little too quick, I'm feeling a little too good, I'm doing too much, I can just grab the reins and say, hold on. See, God gives us that choice. But it's the, the thing about it, when you get to the point to sit and, and just put the reins down and just say, Holy Spirit, just lead me, now you progress. But it gets uncomfortable. Fast. When it gets uncomfortable, we <laughs> the reins. Right. Hold on. <laughs> right. So, so that 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 that's that's where that's where all all cultures are black and white. They're the same. They, 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 everything is going good. Oh, I love you, brother. I'm hugging you, brother. Are we all in the same sanctuary? Everybody's fine and everybody's good. But when you go back to your prospective places, you pick up the reins again. Right, and I'm sure that was the case with the Jews and the Samaritans and Jews and Gentiles. I mean, we're not the first folks to have trouble with this, but but oh, uh, no, no. So no, we're not the first. So I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you a specific question, Brother Bruce, if you don't mind. What is the most demeaning thing that you have to endure now, as a clean shaven, you know, nice looking, well spoken man, but as a black man in the Southern U.S., what what demeans you now, even with what you've said already? Well, as far as the, the lower churches, or all over the whole the, thing. Um. I tell you what hurts me to see people that say they love the Lord that I love and they can turn it on and off when they get ready. Depends on who they're around. And and if I'm with that person, 
uh, or see that happening, it makes me look at them in a different light. Sometimes you don't really see how a person is until they're confronted with things that makes them uncomfortable. Yes, absolutely. What hurts your wife, you Brother Bruce? So with with you, I mean, I've asked about you, but what, what does your wife talk about? If you don't mind, I don't mean you to betray any confidences, but what, what does your wife talk okay. about hurting her in that same vein? Well, what hurts her? My wife is, is, is biracial. Um, she didn't know that until she was grown. And, 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 and still now, it's not shared with her openly with her mother. Right. But she, she struggles with um, looking a certain way and being treated a certain way. She doesn't really travel with me as much as I would like her to, um, especially when, um, and now that, that we're raising my granddaughter, but before then it was just us. And it was just the way that, you know, people would look at her, ladies would look at her and wonder if she's black or white, because her hair is straight. Yes. You know, she can be pictures in any way she wants to. She can wear it straight. She can wear it curly. And the, the black products for her hair, she don't use. She use white products because that's all right. And she can, and and what what what? And I guess a person that's biracial like that, they can they can see it better than anybody. Um, but she's she's she doesn't like the questions. Sometimes you know they ask questions about. Well, who was your parents? Uh, uh, instead of just saying, um, "Do you, you know, do you have parents?" and say, "Well, the, the probing question is, which one of your parents is black or white?" Right. And it's been it's been asked to her, and and she and she's not really comfortable with talking about it because her mother never really told her that dad was white. Right. She struggles with that. So. Um, I, I can see, so I just started, you know, just, you know, a lot of places she, she was just accepted. I mean, loved and, and just, you know, Miss Jackie, they just loved her. But there were certain places that were really questionable about me coming. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had, and, I, and I've shared this with you once before, I've had pastors to call me and, and set an appointment for me to come and, and preach and all. And, and then 24 hours later, call me back and say that I can't come. He said, just give us your address and we'll send you some money in the building. And, uh, and they'd share with me. So, well, the people are not ready. It's just 2020. My goodness. You know, what you mean people are not ready? This is not the 60s. You know, and, and, and some pastors will call me sobbing. Yeah. I mean, I just can't believe that I'm making this call. Because, you know, a lot of pastors, they, they don't really see it until it raises his head. So, Bruce, how do you see it? Or when you go into a church and you're singing to an audience and you're about to preach and you know that they love Jesus and you know that they, they, they love you in the sense, how do you see and how do you share with us and teach us as people who don't have that struggle of being black in a white country, if you will, where you can kind of see that there's an acceptance, but not full, or it's not all the way. What, what about that? What I do, um, and you've, you've been, you've been in the setting where I preach and I've come to your church many times. I just preach the gospel 
And, you know, when I stand up before before, uh, a white congregation for my first time, they're listening for inconsistency. I know know that. They want to see, am I on the right track when it comes to preaching the gospel? But what God does is God uses uh, the personality that I do have because I do not have a personality of of um, thinking I'm always entitled to something or uh, the personality of, well, I'm going to put you on the spot or, you, you know, right. you, know you, you know how you can come in contact with people and, and then they get this look on their face like uh, you owe me. Chip know? on their shoulder. I, yeah, chip on the shoulder. I don't, I, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a saved man that's black. I'm not a black saved man. Yeah. I've got, I put all that away. That does not fit in God's program. My culture and where I come from, God, don't fit in the program Jesus got for me. Because if I did it my way, I just only speak to, to perceive my people. And then I'll only talk about hateful things, get them riled up. Yes. Cheap amens, one brother called guy. it recently. <laughs> you know, I, I'm, I'm the guy that, that sees souls that need to be fed because I'm doing the work of the king. I'm not, I don't consider myself a black guy uh, that's doing the kingdom work. I'm doing, I'm a kingdom man that happens to be black doing the work. Right. If you take those things and put them in the right order, you won't have any problem preaching to anybody anywhere. Right. So what are most people blind to, Brother Bruce, in themselves? And I, this is the question I think I've really been trying to ask. The Scripture says, Lord, see if there be any wicked way in me and cleanse me in the inward parts. Show me who I am secretly inside. So what are most people, and I do mean white people toward uh, minorities or blacks in particular, what are we blind mm-hmm. to in ourselves and how does that show up? And then, and then we know how to address it. You've, you've told us how to address it, love and the gospel. But, but, but I think people need to hear how they can sense it and pick it up when they do this thing they're not aware of that they don't even know. You have to be willing to mingle with people that don't look like you so you can see you. You'll never see you around folks just like Okay. It's impossible. You will never see it. When I preach in white churches, I see a lot of myself. God humbles me more and more and more. So what I'm saying, Doc, in order to see what's in you, you got to get around people that's not like you. Yes. And the Holy Spirit has a way of showing it to you. And you can't, you, 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 what you got to do is accept what God shows you and not make excuses for it. So I'm going to break forward uh, something at this point that uh, because I don't want to keep you too long. But, Brother Bruce, tell us, you, you talked about being a saved man from the background that you had, had before. Mm-hmm. And you've, you dealt with, you said, I dealt with all that. I've been saved. That's been cleansed. But you told me that something happened to you when you saw George Floyd's face on the ground with that policeman's knee on his neck. And you've had to deal with yeah. some things. So tell us what happened inside of you. And so we can understand what we haven't understood. What what happened when I saw that and I heard the man plead for his life, it brought back a lot of memories of how um, as recent as the 60s, it brought back a lot of memories about the 
things that I used to hear my my father and his friends they were they were they were preaching in the sixties and uh and how the whites were coming to their church and just beat just beat a man and 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 be law enforcement and beat a man and said, let this be an example to you um not to uh, be a part of this freedom march that they had in the sixties here and had Salzburg was one of the hubs for mm-hmm. and that 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 was going on and and I used to hear the stories about it and I just I couldn't believe, you know, the things that I've heard. And and when that that, that officer had his knee on this man's throat and this man was urinating and he was begging for his life and then he called for his mother. Mm. It awakened something in me that I had laid to rest. I said to myself, I said, you know what? You know, all of this racial stuff, just been throwing it uh, on, on, on the crops. And, you know, just God take care of all that. And you can, can can become blind to a lot of things that's racial, but you don't you don't really uh, acknowledge it because you're with Christ. But what happened with George Floyd, it let me know that it's still alive and well. It's just better organized now. Uh, and I think that's what you've been trying to tell me about how how whites that have this concealed racism, it's just better organized now. It's better organized now. I so, mean, every now and then you have, a, you have a person that just steps totally out of character and do what that officer did. I mean, you know, um, and it goes back to that control thing. You know, you want you want to keep somebody under control without killing them, because if they're dead, you can't control them. So now, uh, uh, everybody has to see it for what it is. It was an execution. Even the ones that didn't see that it was wrong that the officer was just doing his job and. Uh, he was just uh, carrying out the law. Um, um, uh, even those that the strong advocates of the law think the law don't do anything wrong. You know, I've made side deals with law enforcement officers. Mm-hmm. I've shared the pie with law enforcement mm-hmm. officers. Just because you're in law enforcement don't mean you, you from greed or hate. You know, you, you take an oath to hold, uphold this oath. But it's a, a very lucrative position if you use it for evil. And I know, and I, I have policemen that are friends and and sheriffs deputies, and and as you've talked about, you you teach your your congregation to respect the law and to be law abiding and to to uh, respect law enforcement. But I was shared one of my children. My children have been very helpful to me to show me where I had things about this that were uninformed or weren't completely formulated according to scripture and maybe I was partial and one of them was uh, as much of a supporter of law enforcement as I am an individual policeman it, it is their professional training sometimes lacks even compared to a barber and that if there is a tradition and there is a it's the family business and things are carried on and it is control that part that something is going to have to change in law enforcement if this is ever going to be addressed. Do you have any specific right. things that you say to all of us? Is 
this is the thing that police could do to gain more respect, to be respected by the people they serve, to do a better job, and so that the the part of law enforcement where racism is underground and concealed, that it could be addressed. As long as the law enforcement thinks they are different from everybody else, it's always going to be the way it is. You remember back when we was a kid, there was an officer in the neighborhood who used to get out and walk, talk mm-hmm. to people, knock on people's doors, and go by and eat Sister Sarah's pie. She'd have a pie cooked a certain time of day. That works in the ghetto, too. Works everywhere. Mm. When 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 you when you don't have it's a us against them mentality because the, the, the logo is we protect and serve you, but it's an us against them mentality, and that's causing the friction. But our mayor here in Hattiesburg has has done, young guy, and he's about thirty four, thirty five years old, very wise beyond his years. We have a black police a uh, police chief. We've had, we've had one now for about three years. And what he has done is he's taken the police chief and all the captains, and every month they'll go to different businesses, cafes, different eateries, and just sit around and invite citizens to talk about whatever. And it has proven to be... Um, People are now more cooperative with the police in the ghetto than they ever have because now they got a guy that they feel like they can talk to that won't beat their brains mm. out. Mm. And it took a white guy to bridge that, to see that. I want to read he you a quote. He uh, yes, he saw what was happening. Um, I, I, mm-hmm. I shared with you I wanted to go off script with something I read in the New York Times. Um, this is a, a young uh, black um, reporter named John Elegant on August the 4th wrote this. He went into the downtown of Minneapolis called the North Side, and he writes this. He says, Minneapolis's North Side with a majority black population has decidedly mixed opinions on the city council's effort following the police killing of George Floyd to significantly reduce the size and scope of Minneapolis's police force. Of course, you know that we're talking about the defund the police movement, and it started in Minneapolis because that's where George, George Floyd was murdered. Um, and he goes on to say, residents complain of rampant police mistreatment, but also of out-of-control crime and violence. That reality has left many black residents here unenthusiastic about what has become known as the defund movement. Adding complexity to the debate, he says, they say that they despise the police but need someone to call when things go awry. Explain that to us. First of all, I, I, I do, I'm not of the opinion that we should defund the police, period. I think right. we should give them more funds. Um, I, what I believe is that there needs to be some rooting out within the police force. They need the police itself. Um what it does, it needs to take that mentality that has been in the law enforcement from, from the conception um, that that uh, one race is protecting, that their job is to protect one race from the other. Okay. If they stop, stamp that out and start policing themselves and start having policies within the framework of police. To have a zero tolerance for racial things, uh, uh, racism, and 
and the heads of, of this of the police department start to implement it, what you'll see is a profound change in law enforcement. But as long as they're protecting their own, regardless of what they do, um, it's going to continue the way it is. Now, I have some, I have some law enforcement friends, men that I've had since I was in the streets. And one of them now is a great friend of mine. Uh, he, um, uh, we get, became friends when I was in the street. You know, we got, we were adversaries, but we respected one another. But when I got out of the streets, he got himself saved. I got, I got saved and all, and we compliment each other all the time. And I'm, I'm full support. Whatever he's got going, he's always doing something with the young people. He's always, he had to change. He, he told me. He said, Bruce, he said, you know, I had the mentality that it was us uh, officers are supposed to protect the white folks from black people. He said, I, I just thought that that was my, you know, we had, uh, we, you know, we all had, we had black officers that were a part of the, of the, uh, um, uh, of the force, but they would, they were oblivious to what, what was the real agenda. And eventually, uh, because of respect and rank, they were won over to be a part of the same hypocrisy. Mm. This came from a highly decorated officer. And so, and now we're friends and we talk about things. He said, he said, uh, it, you're right, Bruce, because he was offended. He was offended by my post. Uh, he wasn't offended to the point to where he just was, you know, fell out with me. He you mean the post about that, George Floyd that I contacted you about and thanked you right. for? Okay. Yeah. Right. He was offended by the post. But then he, con- and then he, he, after a few days, I could tell he was offended because he normally comments on things I post, but he didn't comment for days on anything. And then he started back. So we inboxed each other. He said, uh, he said, Bruce, he said, you're not totally wrong what you said. He said, I believe just seeing it like that and hearing it like that during a time like this, he said, it just shocked me. He said, right. it's and not something you said publicly enough. And then when it is said, it's shocking. And that ends our third segment with Pastor Betts. I look forward to seeing you back for segment four, our final segment with Pastor Betts.